Shalom, and welcome to A Voice Calling in the Wilderness, a trumpet call, a voice crying out loud for God to those that would hear, so that they would run to Him, that they might be warned. We are here sounding the alarm that our time on earth is short, and we have no time to waste. Here we will expose the truth, teach the word, discuss the dangers, lies, and enemies that we are surrounded by, and how to engage in the war that we are standing in the middle of. Today, we have the honor of speaking with Dr. Gary Durham again, and today we're going to talk about uh, goats, wolves, and false prophets. Yeah. I, learning to identify some of these and characteristics, sort of like we did on the last episode, of character, characteristics of sheep and goats. But today we're going to talk about some of these other things, and we're going to talk about the importance of being able to discern and understand them and what mm-hmm. to do when we come face-to-face with one of these um People. Yeah, and J.D., there couldn't be probably anything more important for our age with what's happening in the world and especially in our nation today. We have so much of this happening with false prophets and wolves that are just tearing the flock apart. And if we can't be discerning, we're going to be just victims. And uh, God hasn't called us to be victims. He's called us to be victors. He's called us to be overcomers. Yeah, and, and you know, in Luke we're told, you know, go your way, behold, I am sending you out as lambs into the midst of wolves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a warning out there yeah. that as a believer you're being sent out and there are wolves out there right. and they seek to consume you, they seek to overcome what you have learned mm-hmm. and to distract you. And the beautiful thing, too, is that Jesus made it clear he was going to give us his Holy Spirit who would go with us. So we always, even when we're going out among the wolves, we stay close to our shepherd because he is the one who protects us. He He gives us discernment, and he's our shield, he's our buckler, he's the one who surrounds us by his power and by his presence. And in Matthew, he tells us to be as wise as serpent and as harmless as doves. That's right. That's right. And I know that's one of your favorite That's uh, one of my favorite sayings. (laughs) So, yeah, we we have a charge to be discerning, Mm -hmm. to be wise in our lives and in in the world around us, Mm -hmm. to be understanding of people and their motivations and, and where they get sources of power and right. and authority from and all of these things, we're we're told to do that, and and I think we talked beforehand, and you want to go back and you want to start from the very end, really, right, to talk about that source of authority and power. Yeah, yeah, and I, th- I think that's a great way to start this out. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, it's easier to see in what we might say the exaggerated form or the final form the characteristics which we need to be able to identify when early on they're so much more subtle, they're harder to detect. And I think if we maybe go all the way to Revelation and talk about the final false prophet, uh, we'll see a lot of characteristics there. But I want to start off maybe just by saying something that we talked about earlier. I believe that one of the most important things for this culture today in the church is to learn that not everything that is spiritual is of God. Mm-hmm. And we cannot seem to learn that lesson. If the, if a miracle happens, everybody starts, oh, saying God did it. Well, I've got news for you. The devil does miracles too, or at least they look like miracles to us. He is a supernatural being. He does have power, and he does have ways of not only 
doing something that seems miraculous. It's supernature. It's supernatural to us. Mm-hmm. And he also has ways of being deceitful. The, the Bible says in the end times that it's going to be lying signs and wonders and miracles. Yeah. So it isn't going to be the secular against the spiritual. It's going to be the spiritual against the spiritual. And yeah. people do not church get that. Church. Yeah, it's going to be church against church. And we'll get that in a later session. I yeah. uh, I know we have planned. But the point is, is that if we don't get a hold of this, not everything is spirituals of God. And I hear people all the time, well, you know, this was spiritual. You know, this person did this, and they did that, and they did this. Yeah, but did what they what is what they were teaching and what they were doing line up with the scriptures? And that's where we miss well, it. Well, in, in more layman's terms, mm-hmm. I'm going to break it down for people that maybe don't understand even what you just said, right? I'm going to say that Satan can even do good things. He can heal people. Oh, yeah. He can make people come become unblind. Yeah. He can fix deaf ears. Mm-hmm. He can do all these things. Satan and his minions are not limited to evil deeds. Yeah. Well, it's a perception of being good, though, because if right. they have the power to actually do that, it's because they had the power to actually cause the affliction oh, yeah. to begin I, I'm with. I'm not saying mm-hmm. there's not an underlying reason for them so to do that. So they're just undoing something that they had already done yeah. that was bad for something that will be even worse on that person. Yeah, yeah. It, but people need to understand that their grandmother could get healed, and it may not be God that did it. Yeah. It may be because we need, and you have a great story I would like for you to tell that yeah. you told us beforehand about somebody that got a healing that later it turned out to be the reason that they got possessed. Yeah. Well, and and I'm just going to warn people right up front. Uh, We take the Bible very literally, and that doesn't mean that we don't recognize that there are portions of the Bible that are poetic, there are portions of the Bible (laughs) that are metaphorical, there are portions of the Bible that are analogical. If we're going to if you're going to interpret something literally, you t- interpret it according to how it was intended. Yeah. So if it was intended poetically, you interpret it poetically. Because if you don't, you're not interpreting it literally. Right. Okay. So, but we take the scriptures seriously, and Jesus took demons seriously. He mm-hmm. took unclean spirits seriously. He spoke to them constantly. He did battle with them constantly. And I can tell you that we as Christians are constantly in battle. Paul said, you're not fighting against flesh and blood. You're fighting against principalities and powers and the forces of the spiritual wickedness in the heavenly realms. And Christians forget this. And then when we start telling stories what I, like I'm about to tell, some people go, oh, I don't know. That's just a little bit too weird, you know. Well, this is what we're dealing with, and this is why we need so much discernment. Well, absolutely. And, and we're told that there will be false prophets that, that looks so much like Jesus that people that you know, trust, may go to church with are going to come to you and say, come here, see Jesus. He's here. He's here. He's here. Yeah. And Jesus said, don't go. Right. <laughs> yeah. And he said that these miracles that are going to happen at end time, Jesus says they would deceive even the very mm. elect if that were possible. Mm-hmm. And that statement, if that were possible, is pointing to the fact that true believers, as we talked about in our last session, and on our last podcast, true believers have the Holy Spirit, and they listen to the shepherd's voice. Right. And so they they may temporarily be ruffled by it a little bit and confused, but they're not going to be deceived because they're going to keep coming back and following the shepherd's voice. And so he said it would deceive. even They're going to look so real. The miracles are going to be so fantastic. You won't be able to discern on the outside which is which, but you'll have to be able to discern the spirit of it and what's really going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And and I'll tell you up front, my my personal 
the way I view this is when when Christ returns, there's no secret to it. <laughs> no. You're not somebody's not gonna say, hey, secretly he'd come out in the desert over Yeah, Jesus made that quite clear. He no, said, no, no. He said no, when I come, it's gonna be light lightning come from the east all the way to the west. It's gonna yeah, be visible to everybody. The whole no doubt. world's gonna tremble. Yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt what's happening. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So if they have to come drag you to where Jesus is, no. No, no. He's he's not down in a well somewhere <laughs> waiting. <No. laughs> so these, these these false prophet, this false prophet at the end, though, is going to be extremely powerful. Yes. In fact, the false prophet is much more of a key. You know, people will talk uh, incessantly about the Antichrist, the Antichrist, the Antichrist, mm-hmm. the Antichrist. In Revelation 13, we have two great figures that show up that are evil. The first is the Antichrist and the Antichrist beast system that surrounds him and he and he leads. But then you have a religious system, the lamb that has two horns but speaks like a dragon, which is false religion. And this false prophet is so powerful, and most people don't remember that it's he who causes everyone to receive a mark if they will not worship the beast and the image of the beast and causes everyone who will not do so to be put to death. And so the false prophet is extremely powerful. It says he calls down fire out of heaven. He's going to do miracles, and he's going to make people, he's going to be a false Jesus. And I can't help but think there may be some correlation to the fact that in Islam, they say that Jesus is coming back to convert the world to the worship of the true, uh, you know, the true imam that is coming, mm-hmm. and that Jesus will be someone who converts the world to Islam. And I and they describe him in the same terms that the false prophet is described in Revelation 13, causing them to worship this other person who is, you know, supposedly the real deal. And uh, it's interesting, and everything is turned upside down and, and on its head in uh, Islam. If you study it, it's an amazing correlation. Everything black is white and white is black. It's just... And it's, yet they're trying to convince us that we worship the same God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I can tell you that the moon god Allah is not <laughs> the <laughs> Yahweh of Israel. <laughs> the moon is in being a reflection of the sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but let, let me get to that story and it'll kind of kick us yeah, off sure, no, here. Uh, many years ago when I was uh, working as executive director of uh, Freedom Ministries International, we had many counseling centers and, we, and my job was uh, to train counselors and to also be involved in a lot of counseling and uh, to train pastors also in counseling who came to us. We trained also a lot of professionals, uh, a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists who had become Christians suddenly realized psychology and psychiatry was not going to do it. They needed to be able to help people spiritually. And once they became believers, they wanted to. And so we would put them through a lot of training to teach them how to counsel from the Word of God and uh, so they could really help people. But we had a lady come through one of our counseling centers, and uh, her story is uh, kind of convoluted. But she considered herself a believer. But when we begin to dig into her past, uh, I'll tell you up front that what we found out is that she had a lot of sin in her life, and she was resisting the, the reproofs of the Holy Spirit. What this did was give the evil one a lot of control over her life because she was being disobedient and she was unwilling to repent in those areas. But the result of that was that she ended up starting having terrible migraine headaches, physical problems, 
They were so bad, she went through every doctor, every medication, every clinic, everything you can think of. Nothing helped, and they only got worse and worse and worse. Finally, out of desperation, one of her friends said to her, well, I know this faith healer you need to go see. And uh, I think that if you get in his healing line, that he would be able to help you. Well, she is desperate, so she decides to do that. And she gets in this man's healing line. He's a clear false teacher teaching all kinds of prosperity gospel and all this. Uh, we won't go into all that. It was false teaching to the hilt. And uh, it was a personality cult. And uh, she gets in this line. This man lays his hands on her, and she feels something happening. And then she kind of is slain in the spirit and falls backwards. And when she wakes up, her headaches are gone. She doesn't have any more headaches. Well, you can imagine what she thought. Well, she told us. She said, I immediately said, this guy's the real deal. I mean, he's got to be real. My headaches are gone. He, he healed me. And so she becomes his most devoted follower. She just devours everything he says, everything he writes, everything he does. He's, she's at every conference. She's just, she's, you know, volunteering for this, volunteering for that. She just gets sucked into it like a cult. The problem is, is that now her spiritual life begins wackier and wackier and wackier to the point that's starting to affect her family life. It's starting to destroy her family life. And finally, her family just tries to do an intervention and so, says, you know, you need some help. Something's crazy here. Something's not right. And she's going, oh, no, but this guy's the power of God. This guy was the real thing. He healed me, you know. And uh, so when she finally did agree to come to the counseling center, we started dealing with her. We were shocked that once we got into a couple of sessions that finally she actually manifested as demon-possessed. And we were talking with demon spirits. And uh, we had to do that enough because we dealt with very severe cases that uh, we knew exactly what we were dealing with. So we bound those spirits and we began to try to find out the sin that gave them power over her. And what we learned was this. And eventually in talking with her later, we were able to fill in the blanks. But the point is, is that they said, well, she had sin in her life. So we were able to afflict her. We gave her migraine headaches. And we gave her severe migraine headaches. And then we got this friend of hers to recommend this buddy of ours, this false teacher. And she goes into his healing line. And when this guy lays his hands on her, we took the headaches away. And she thought a miracle had taken place, of course. And, and it was something supernatural because she had been supernaturally afflicted. Mm -hmm. And now she was, you know, it was, it was gone. But he's, But their whole concept was, but it was a great trade-off because now she was committed to his teaching and his teaching gave us greater control in her life. We could do more damage. And so as a result of that, that's how her life began to just go off the skids and she began to literally become, uh, you know, a counterfeit Christian in many, many ways. So uh, when she got delivered and we were able to fill in the blanks and verify a lot of these things, it became clear that the evil spirits considered the t false teaching of the false prophet to be much more valuable to them than the false miracle. The false miracle is for leading a person to trusting the false teaching, and the false teaching damns a person's soul. Mm -hmm. And so this is what we're going to see at end time. 
we're going to see that the false prophet is going to call fire out of heaven. There's going to be all kinds of supernatural things happening. And as a result, there will be false teaching, and he'll be pointing to the wrong Savior. He'll be pointing to the wrong solution for the world. He'll be preaching a utopia that is simply not going to materialize. And uh, as a result of that, that leads us back into what we can now begin to identify about some of these other false prophets. They look like lambs. You know, they're an imitation of Jesus, but they speak like a dragon. And you always have to assess what is their message because that message is poisonous and that message is damaging. And sometimes the more deceptive it is, the more beautifully camouflaged, the more deadly it is because something that's obviously evil doesn't deceive very many people, but something that looks really good, sounds really good, tells people what they want to hear, but has just enough twist in it that it's just constantly leading them off the right path is what is the most dangerous. And, and the, the miracles um, that they're going to use are going to be that much more profoundly impactful on the masses because for 100 150 years about now, this secularism has really driven culture and driven spirituality out of people's mindsets and worldview. Um, And so they're going to see these supernatural things, and then suddenly they're going to be like, this is real. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not going to have the, the... worldview of understanding that we live in a spiritual world, Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to be like, oh, wow, like, this is real, because it's going to connect with them, because Mm -hmm. they'll be so starved for for what was missing for so long. Yeah. That they're gonna be, they're gonna feel so like this is it this is well, the, this is it well secularism is always a setup for false spirituality in fact secularism in America is a temporary state and it seems like it's lasted a long time but it's temporary it's a transition it was to oust real faith in God and real faith in Jesus Christ and real biblical teaching and real biblical morality and once you push that out it leaves a vacuum and people are still spiritually looking for something. They they don't know mm. what they're looking for, but they're they're discontent, they're depressed, they're suicidal, they're whatever because they don't have hope and they don't have meaning and uh, and humans cannot live without hope and meaning and purpose. And they're created in God's image. And so what happens is the world's not getting less spiritual. It's getting more spiritual all the time. It's just become vaguely spiritual. People don't identify the spiritual. They'll say they're spiritual. They just won't say that they're anything specific. And as a result, what happens is we are now prepared to suck in this false spirituality that will be the the final harlot system that will engulf the world with the worship literally of Satan. And uh, believe it or not, the uh, the little <laughs> we're starting to break out with the rash all over the world already. Uh, yeah. Well, we have a world that lives in some form of desperation in nearly every corner now. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the thing, the the problems that people face, right? We have, you know, food shortages around the globe. Right. Right now, we have this thing that. We have an incredible, unimaginable heat around the world. You know, Europe right now is is feeling the heat wave that's never been felt before. And, and I was hoping for cooler weather because I'm going there next week. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to get to remain toasty. 
But I mean, thousands of people are dying <coughs> globally because of heat right now. Every day, thousands of people are dying from heat. But that's hard for Americans to understand because we've become so accustomed to air conditioning, and we can we can tailor our living experience. But not there's a lot of places in the world that they don't have those luxuries. But even in America, we're seeing people die from heat. We're seeing, you know, catastrophic failures of dams and animals dying, cattle dying in the heat. And we're seeing this effect here even where we're, we're suffering from an amazing thing that most people would even consider as being a major worldwide issue just a few years ago. So imagine if a person come along and they had a solution for it that they could just snap their fingers and the heat would go away. Mm-hmm. What, what, what would that do to people? Yeah. Uh, or we've, we've lived through the last two years of a worldwide pandemic um, and people being sick by the millions and people dying and all of these things that are happening from an f- infirmity. What if a, a person was to walk on a scene and could just snap their fingers and make it go away? Or promised people that they were going to give them some kind of technology that could fight it, that could fight it all and make it all utopia. Utopia is just on the horizon and scientism is a big thing going on right now, how we're going to morph humanity into gods and we're going to Mm -hmm. do so with science and we're going to do so with technology and and the final gods are going to be, yeah, yeah, just transhumans. We're going to be part machine, part computer, part human, and we're going to, we're going to transcend humanity. And of course, this is all, when you talk to serious scientists, they just laugh at it and go, we're not anywhere close to being able to do these kind of things. And yet all these people are preaching this because they're just out to make the dollar. The the other thing too is, um, Some of this might be a little bit closer than we we suspect, um, because the most prominent um, leaders in the world, the like um, Schwab, who heads the World Economic mm-hmm. Forum, is talking about using this technology um, to control people, to be able to read people's minds, and to, like this, he's saying this is their goal. And Elon Musk is actually working on chips that to put in people's brains. That is like the the first step in this. So, it, yeah. you know, we don't think like uh, the normal person doesn't think that this is like there, but we've made leaps and bounds in the last 10 years in computer processing technology and AI mm-hmm. um, that some of these things could be just 10 years away. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to try it and that they're not already starting to try it. The point is, is that we're still a long, long way from being able to create a transhuman. We're going. Oh well, it won't be true transhumanism. It'll it'll be be sold as that, but it won't actually be that. It'll just be human control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Surveillance. Yeah, surveillance. (laughs) Well, so you know, we're we're seeing a time now where, in in my lifetime, and I would venture to say, in most people's lifetime that live right now we have not had a time of peace on the planet. There's been conflict and and war continuously for pretty much the lifetime of every human being alive right now. Sounds a lot like Matthew. Yeah, sounds like Matthew 24, doesn't it? So if we were to see someone come onto the scene that was able to bring peace, true peace, Mm -hmm. like if they could resolve the conflict between... Hamas and Israel. Mm-hmm. 
if they were able to resolve the Palestinian conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Like put it to bed forever, gone. Would that not appear to be a miracle? Well, because nobody sees that on the horizon right now. Yeah, and I think that the the thing that would probably make that even more potent is that we're likely, I believe, and this is just opinion, I'm going to say that right up front, I believe we're going to see something catastrophic happening worldwide in the sense that there may be even a kind of third world war in the Middle mm-hmm. East that's going to be very short maybe even have some limited nuclear exchange. I don't know. But the point of it is it's going to scare the world spitless because the big powers are all going to be standing there and they know that if they all get involved, we can blow the world up and it's going to scare people to death. And once something like that happens, it's going to resolve some things because some people are going to get annihilated. But what's going to happen is I think that you'll have someone step on the stage and say, look, I've got a solution for all this. And in that chaos and that economic chaos and in that just that chaos, civil chaos, that person's voice is just going to reverberate everywhere. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say what people won't realize when that happens is that the whole thing would have been staged. It's the whole Hegelian Mm -hmm. dialectic thesis and antithesis. You know, the power, Satan's power to, to drive behind both of it was to bring it to that point so that he could then offer right. the Savior. Right, right. Yeah, and um, in, if you if you work in the machine shops or in, in some of these areas where you talk about tolerances, mm-hmm. and one of the terms that you learn is stacking tolerances. Yeah. And in our world, we've been stacking tolerances of, you know, economic, potential economic collapse— food scarcity, the threat of war, the threat of a disease, all these things keep stacking up mm-hmm. and they're building pressure on all of humanity around the globe right now, somewhat on an equal basis, which is not, you know, in America, that's almost unheard of. You know, when we started seeing five plus dollars, seven dollars a gallon for gas and people are beginning to make a decision between going to work and paying for their gas or paying for food on their table, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Some people had to face that this year already, right. and the potential for that to grow and become a bigger problem in the near future it is very real. So when you start stacking these types of pressures and tolerances on top of each other, what you end up with is people are so desperate for a voice of reason, a voice that will cut through all of that and provide some kind of relief because at some point people are just looking for relief. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there's a great uh, Southern comedian that tells a story about a guy that was stuck in a tree with a bobcat, and the bobcat's <laughs> tearing him alive. Talk about Jerry Clower. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the guy's begging for somebody to just shoot up into the trees. Well, I might hit you. Well, he'll hit one of us. We Somebody needs relief. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's Jerry Clower's old story. Yeah. But, but I'm just saying we're kind of in that boat worldwide now. People need relief. Mm-hmm. And we see... People like what happened in the Sri Lanka, where they overrun their government buildings, pulled their their uh, officials out by the hair. I mean, there is real desperation pressure on some people in this world, and it's growing every week, every yeah. month, yeah. and it's and it's going to consume worldwide eventually a high desperation level that we really don't think we can comprehend in America right now. But we'll get there because everybody's getting there. Yeah. Well, it's opening people up then for these 
false prophets to step in, whether they be political false prophets or religious mm-hmm. false prophets, mm-hmm. whatever they are, they're going to step in and they're going to promise what they can't deliver. But right. they're going to have ways of making it seem so real and so possible and so probable even that people will just throw their faith in because they're so de- – this desperation you've been describing is just something that uh, people can't live with. At some point, they've got to have relief. You and know? and so again, we... none of this is a natural like occurrence. Like there may be some – you know, there may be a large amount of, of – sin piled up on the world for which God allows this to happen. But all of these things, all of this piling on that you're talking about is driven by the people who gain to profit the most out of it. Right. Um, and we'll, they, we'll talk, they all we'll have these a, are these wolves, right? Yeah, they all have a plan for mm-hmm. what happens after. Yeah. Right. You know. And that, that, that will move us into the wolves when we talk about those because mm-hmm. that's exactly who these people are. But imagine a guy stepping onto the scene and in order for him to demonstrate his power to resolve this desperation, he calls fire from heaven mm-hmm. or has his minion do so. Yeah. Or he yeah. causes it to rain somewhere where it doesn't rain mm-hmm. like in the middle of a desert. Yeah. And he floods it. That will be such a, people will fall down on their knees because his power will be visible. Mm-hmm. Well, and there is in every human being a desire for God and for the paradise that we lost. And when this guy comes promising utopia, utopia is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And when people start believing it's possible, they'll almost sell their soul. Well, they will sell their souls for it because they, they think they're going to be able to get utopia on earth in the here and now. And they and the sinful heart wants utopia without having to give up any of its selfish self-autonomy. Mm-hmm. It wants to be in charge. It wants to say, I want what I want and have utopia too. So if I can have Eden and still be in charge of my own life and be my own God, that's the best of, of all worlds according to the sinful heart. Yeah. And it, it isn't possible because we destroy Eden even if, even if we had it. Yeah, that, that would be the thing people would find very quickly is that they could be given everything. That's right. Even Eden, and they would begin to rot it. Oh, yeah, we would kill it. Destroy it. That's why God can't let sin into heaven. We'd turn it into hell. Yeah. I love your virus analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Or metaphor, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I don't, yeah I, I've used that many times to talk about why God can't let people infected with sin into heaven. And in the what he's referring to is if you imagine, let's say, that there was some deadly disease that really was killing the planet, and somebody came up with an antidote, and if you took the antidote, you had to quarantine for a while to keep from getting reinfected. But eventually we could, you know, everybody else is going to die off eventually unless they take the antidote, but it's the antidote's free. Come take it. Come take it. But suppose you have a guy that shows up at your quarantine community, one of your quarantine communities, and says, I'd like to come in. And and you say, well, are you willing to take the antidote? He says, no, nothing wrong with me. Look at me. I look fine. And they go, well, you know, yeah, you look like you're a bodybuilder. You're a good athlete. You're in good shape. But we're pretty sure you've got the infection. He goes, well, there's nothing wrong with me. So they check him. Yeah, he's got the infection. You're going to have to take the antidote. He says, I'm not taking any antidote. I'm perfectly fine. You're going to have to let me in. And they go, no, we're not going to let you in. Why? Because if we let you in, you'll st- it'll start all over again. 
and they'll just, you'll turn, everybody will be infected with the same thing. God can't let one sinner in the heaven because sin is infectious. And so that's why heaven is going to be a holy place. And no one who doesn't have their name in the Lamb's Book of Life will pass through those gates. Amazing how the world and and the uh, worldly try to mimic God. Mm-hmm. Because I think we saw something on a micro scale very similar to that in right. the last couple of years when it comes to this COVID-19 sickness yeah. and the, the vaccine. Yeah. They mimicked exactly what you just said. Yeah. You can't fly on an airplane. You can't go in this store. You can't go to this thing. You can't do this. You can't do that unless you get the shot. Right. And, and of course, they mimic it, but it's always an inversion. It's, uh, it's not for the point of helping people. It's for the point of controlling people. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so. absolutely. But, I mean, it's just, and, and it's exactly what you said, black is white and white is black. It's mm-hmm. backwards. Yep. And, and so we saw that on a micro scale, I believe, in the last two years, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so, you know, we, we've, we're talking about the, the false prophet in the end and his power and his ability and his message, mm-hmm. because it's, it's going to be a message that sounds like God on the surface, but it's a twisting of the word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a twisting of what God teaches us. Um, I think that the, in the, what people will not see is that it's, the love of the state, the love of the entity, and not love. Right. There'll be a lot of love talk. Mm-hmm. If you love your neighbor, you will. If you love this, then you will. If you love your nation, you will. There's some Nazi people that have talked like that oh, for a yeah, while, they didn't did. they, back in the... Yeah, to be a good something, Nazi. say something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it, it it's always painted with the imagery... That, yeah. that, that sounds like God. Well, the devil always co-opts uh, the vocabulary of righteousness and goodness, but then he always subtly changes the definitions and redirects the motives so that if you are a loving person, you, instead of doing this, you're doing this now. And so, it, and that's what confuses people because they don't stop to think about the definition and, and the motive and the aim of what the genuine would be. And so... When we start talking about false prophets, we must talk about their subtlety and their message. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, if you don't mind, JD, I'd like to read a little, a couple of verses here, and then yeah, just sure. ha- have us talk about. It. This is from First John four. Most people will recognize it. I want to go just a little bit further than, than most would, though. In the first verse, he says, "This, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God." Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God, colon, okay? So this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Here it is. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and is even now already in the world. Now, many people may miss the subtlety of what John is saying, but John is saying this. The test is this. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. The early church had a term for the incarnation. Christ did not be, he was not, he did not begin to exist when he was born in Bethlehem. 
he came in the flesh. Mm-hmm. He was preexistent, and he became a man. He became a, a human being. He, the flesh uh, took on, I mean, the word took on flesh and blood and made his tabernacle among us. So when they talk about acknowledging that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, what he's saying is that the Spirit has to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is in eternal God without beginning and without end, and that he became a human being, and therefore all the salvation drama can then play out because as a human being, he can die for our sins, he can rise again from the dead, he can be the leader of a new creation, and because he's also creator God as well as immortal man. And so John is saying that's what has to be believed. Well, the subtle thing is, is that all these false prophets eventually end up skewing that in some way. Now, they may start off skewing other things, but, you know, uh, we were talking about, I don't know if we want to talk about specifics, but we were talking earlier about how there is one of the false teachers out there that's saying that Jesus was not God to start with. He became God. Well, that's that's part of Arianism mm-hmm. and also part of a couple of other, the early Gnostic uh, heresies about Christ that he, adoptionism was one of the things that that was called, where he was a man who was adopted as God, and that happened either during his baptism or during his resurrection, I think. But all in and for Arius, uh, Christ was not eternal God. He was a he was a demigod who had uh, existed and then been adopted into the Godhead after his resurrection. And so you have people saying things like Jesus became God or he ascended to be God, and they're doing it from Christian platforms. This is the teaching of devil. And, and, and what does he say? This is the spirit of Antichrist, mm-hmm. and yet they're doing it in the name of Jesus. Yeah, and so that's a, that's a good point because we were talking about all these things that the false prophet will do in the end time, uh-huh. but how did we get to there, right? How did people get primed for that pump? And I think that that leads us into the idea of talking about false prophets and where they're in the world now. Yeah. And they're going to really be prolific later, but they're very prolific now. Jesus says many false prophets shall come in this very last days. The pro- false prophets that pave the way for that guy at the end, right? Yeah, that, that false prophet, Because yes. these guys begin to teach things in a twisted manner, mm-hmm. and they confuse the, the words of God in people's minds, so when they're taught a, the false prophecies in the end, it's easier to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there's many preachers out there that now say that you don't have to have a relationship with Jesus to get into heaven. He's not the only way. Both secular people are saying that, and people in churches are saying that. No, it's 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 good to love Jesus. It's good to listen to his teachings, but he's not the way. He's not the only way. Yeah, and see, so, and that's clearly in contradiction of Scripture. Do, right. do, do we want to call anyone out? Um, <laughs> no, I, I I ask this seriously because we can we can say this like you know, and people can be like, "Oh, that sounds great," but who? Yeah. Well, so right, uh, and, here, here. and I have one example that actually fits that actually ticks both the box that you were talking about um, just just re, you know before about you know mm-hmm. the the definition of Christ and also ticks your box that you. I'm just not afraid said. to call people out. So I just I just wanted to ask before I just necessary. Okay, I so. would just say that, and I would preface it saying 
what I hear is this is false prophecy from what right. I know, understand. Well, I would say, Grant, if they've said it publicly, we have no fear well, of it. Yeah, no, 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 I know that. It, yeah. it is public, and you can look this stuff right, up. Right, right. So, but I uh, think people need to go and listen to discern for themselves. Is it fit no, the, no, 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 I would mantle? agree. Like, it, my, my whole thing is not to just tell people, like, avoid this person. My thing is to say, hey, you should pay attention and, and go decide e- for yourself. Be aware. Ask God to help you discern the reality yeah. that's yeah. behind. And, you and, 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 you, and giving an example, such as maybe you can give right now, is a good thing. Because here's an example of what you need to be looking and for. And people need to know right. that. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, right. no, I'm fine okay. with that. So, Joel Osteen. Okay. All right. So, uh, to reference um, what you were talking about with, you know, how you define Christ and mm-hmm. him coming as God coming to become man, right. um, Joel Osteen's wife, from their platform, so under his spiritual authority, um, spoke from the from the pulpit, saying that um, Christ was just a man who uh, became God. Right. Joel Osteen, in front of the entire world, sitting with Oprah, would not clearly say that Christ is the only way. Yeah. He, he, has, he, he he was skirting the issue. Yeah. He would not say it outright. Right. And and I I think that that's too far. You can't argue relevancy there. I think that that was either cowardice or he doesn't truly teach that. Right. Well, you, Jesus made it clear emphatically that he's the only way to the Father. And uh, if a minister of the gospel who is Christ's representative is not willing to say that as kindly and lovingly as possible, but say, this is the facts of the case, there's only one way to God, and that's through the God-man, Jesus Christ. That's the only place God and man can meet. I mean, if you can't do that, then you're obviously, in a sense, you have adopted a false stance, and, right. and that makes you a false prophet. So I just wanted to give that, that's an example, that we are talking about real people that are in um, the culture of Christianity today um, that are leading thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people through media globally um, with their false teaching. Yeah, and and he's by far not the only one that uh, falls into that category. I mean, there's another guy, Keith Giles, that flat out said that Jesus never said he was the only way. And I'm going, I'm pretty sure I read that. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the red letters even. Yeah. And and you'd be you'd be really shocked at the convoluted little arguments they come up with right. to try to make those cases. Oh well, Jesus didn't say that, but the apostles kind of stuck that in there because it helped the exclusivity of their of their cause. Isn't there you know, a very kind of dire warning in the Bible about those who <laughs> yeah. change scripture? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but this is just an example. You know, we're not in the desperation time of the end times yet. Not yet. It feels ugly, but yeah. we're not really there, I promise. No, we're just, we're just, just a, in the rock slide headed down into the canyon. This is the beginning of birth pains. <laughs> but this, these guys, these false prophets get followers. Yeah. That's the amazing thing to me. And people forget that a false prophet is always appealing to something that's easy to appeal to. They appeal to people's sinful nature, and a sinful nature is quick to become zealous for what it wants to hear. 
you know, and that's where Paul talks about people won't put up with sound doctrine in the last days. They'll heap to themselves teachers that will say what their itching ears want to hear. Their ears are already itching to hear it. They just need somebody to come along and say it, and then they'll just run to them. Yep. And so yeah. it's hard to get together a true group of sheep who will really follow the master's voice, but it's real easy to get a whole bunch of sinful people together to hear what they want to hear. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Well, and the other thing that the other thing that I see with people that are churchgoers, mm-hmm. and I'm very cautious when I say Christian sometimes because there's a difference between a churchgoer and a Christian, but they want the power that that they read that, that they think comes from becoming a Christian. Mm-hmm. So they want the they want the fruits of the spirit. They want these gifts. Mm-hmm. And so there are, to me, false prophecy also comes in the form of a bunch of churches that are now having people that are having prophetic dreams like every week. Mm-hmm. They're getting a new word from God. This may, and they'll tell you a 30-minute dream every single week. Yeah. And they've got millions of people that are listening to this now mm-hmm. because people are desperate for that type of power, that movement, because a lot of them, quite honestly, have never felt or seen God move or work in their life. Right. And as we previously spoke, you know, that's the difference between the sheep and the goats. The sheep have acknowledged and seen and felt and know Mm. and experienced these things. And these people have it. And there's a really good reason why they have it. Right. But they're still desperate for it because the world is getting to be a desperate place. So even locally, we have churches very near to us that every single service, they get people to stand up and say, I got a word for you from God. Yeah. God just gave me a word for you from God. 10, 12 times. I'm going, that's really not how God's going to work. Guys. Yeah. Well, they'll, they'll claim early church on that too, but that's not really what they were talking about when they were talking about prophesying. No, no. Uh, the, the word prophet, which is used in the New Testament, means to preach, teach, testify, stand up and make a speech is actually the basic word of it. It means to stand in front of a group of people and talk. Yeah. But but, but uh, they it was used in the New Testament to mean that, to proclaim. In fact, Paul talks about to the Corinthians, which was his problem church, which had a problem with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They were having all these, and he talks about how, you know, their, their unspiritual mind puffs them up with all these idle dreams and notions and things. And they were, of course, dragging Aphrodite and theology into the church, and having all and chasing false spiritual gifts. There, there are the real spiritual gifts, and we should acknowledge them all. And I believe in all the spiritual gifts, properly biblically well, defined, absolutely. properly biblically defined. But there are all we people forget there are counterfeit ones. Mm-hmm. And I have actually had demons confess to me that they gave people counterfeit ones. Because, of course, if there's a real, the devil wants to counterfeit it. And unfortunately, without discernment and without judging things by the Spirit, you can have incredible counterfeiting going on in a church because there is no discernment through the Word of what's happening. And and let me just share a story of how bad this can get. Uh, I I hope it's the one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... I, when I was in, in college, there was a, a young man who was raised on the mission field, and he was raised in a place that was French-speaking. He spoke fluent French. Uh, he came to college, and all of us thought it was a total cheat because he majored in French, <laughs> which he spoke better French than the teacher, than the prof that was teaching French. But anyway, uh, he majored in French and in foreign languages, and he was good at languages. 
But uh, he had a roommate whose father was a, a well-known pastor of a large church. And he was also known to be a great preacher of the Word of God, a great preacher. But this church was of a particular denominational bent where they were really into signs and wonders and mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And uh, they didn't have, as it turns out, proper discernment of what is genuine and what is false, what is genuine and what is false. So, for example, I believe in the gift of language whenever there are language barriers that need to be broken down so the gospel can be shared. But I don't believe—I believe that on the day of Pentecost, God reversed the curse of the Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. He didn't create the curse. He reversed it. It was—the curse was at the Tower. Right. And on the day of Pentecost, he reversed it so everybody could hear in their own language so that when they went back to wherever they came from, they took the gospel with them clearly understanding what it was so they could tell it to others. That's probably how the church at Rome got started. Uh, we don't, it is not true that Peter started the Church of Rome. Peter didn't go there till probably into the early, early 60s, maybe late 50s, uh, but probably the early 60s, not long before his death. Paul obviously didn't start the church. He wrote the book of Romans to introduce himself to them and saying, I've wanted to come to visit you many times, but haven't been able to. So, but the church was probably started by people who became Christians in Jerusalem while they were at Pentecost or some other festival, and they learned the gospel, and they went back, and they and we end up with a strong Roman church. And Paul is celebrating that fact in Romans. You know, yeah, your faith, many people forget there were a lot of other <laughs> disciples other than the 12. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the, the thing that happened here was that in this particular church, uh, they weren't discerning about this gift of language, that it doesn't create barriers in a monolithic language group. In other words, if everybody's speaking English, we don't need somebody to get up and start babbling in German or yeah. babbling in, in Chinese. Uh, but uh, And then we don't need somebody to interpret it either because, see, God doesn't go around the world to get next door. Uh, but if there are different language groups or somebody there that needs to hear the gospel who can't hear it, God might give somebody the gift to be able to share the gospel in their language. And I could tell stories of where that's actually happened. Right. And uh, on the mission field, we've seen that happen several times. And uh, But the point is, is that this young man's uh, roommate, whose father was this great preacher, and he was a good preacher of the word, uh, talked him into going home with him for a service on Sunday morning. And so he went to this church, and this young man kept saying to him, you know, now, we have a lot of supernatural things that happen in our church, but it's all of God. I can tell you it's all of God. And uh, and so his this young man's father was up preaching a powerful message from the Word of God. And this young man was listening, thinking, wow, this is really good. This is a great church. And all of a sudden, a man stands up right in the middle of the sermon, interrupts it, and just starts yelling out babbling in some kind of you know, nobody can understand him. They don't think he's just babbling away. And, and and because they believe, okay, this is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the preacher stops preaching the Word of God and stands back and lets this guy babble for two or three minutes. And then all of a sudden, somebody gets up and gives this incredible interpretation of how God all loves us all and wants to bless us all and prosper us all. You know, that's what it always is, you know, and, you know, and, and, and so on and so forth, and how he just wants to shine his blessings down on us and blah, 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 blah. And so this young man, who is the pastor's son, is punching his friend saying, see, I told you, we, a lot of supernatural things happen here. And, you know, that, that's what the guy really said. And his friend is sitting there literally in shock, and finally, his friend turns to him and says, 
that's not what he said. He said, what do you mean? He said, I understood every word he said. That's not what he said. He said, well, what did he say? He said, he just cursed the pastor. He just cursed this church. He just cursed the word of God in the most vile gutter language I've ever heard. I wouldn't repeat hardly seeing what word he said. He said, he just cursed this whole service. And then this other person gets up and gives you this flowery interpretation, which is totally false. He said, this is not of God, and that man is not of God. Now, what's the problem? Here was a pastor preaching the word of God, but they didn't have enough discernment to know that the devil doesn't like the word of God going out. Mm -hmm. So what did it do? This man stands up. He's got another spirit that's not of God. He's got a false gift, and he's really speaking in a real language. He's speaking in French. He may not even know what he's saying because demons speak many languages. And they curse that whole service in French. And that young man sitting there understood every word of it. And so we need to have discernment because the false prophets will come with lying signs and wonders. And yes, he was speaking a real language. And there may be times when people will be able to speak a real language for the wrong reasons. And because to propagate some falsehood, because demon spirits are able to speak many different languages. Yeah, and that's that's an incredible story. I'm almost left speechless because <laughs> it, it it is terrifying that we're just so desperate. Yeah, for a sign from God that we would grasp at anything that would seem of God. And, and, that, and that's really what it is. Yeah, and that's why we, you know, uh, I've, I know of another church that is very centered that way, but the pastor is very biblically centered. He had the same thing happen in his church, and he quickly motioned, said, tell the man to sit down. I'm preaching the Word of God. And he was right. He discerned this is not, that God would not interrupt what I'm doing right now. Right, <laughs> yeah. No. And he had the right, ushers so. escort the person out. You do <clears throat> not interrupt the preaching of God's Word, you know. And so there needs to be some discernment going on. Yeah, and, you know, we've seen something here a little bit with somebody <laughs> that got disruptive of a service. And, mm-hmm. and you, you don't—I don't think God would interrupt his mission with something like that. I no. mean, nowhere does it say that you're going to—he's going to break up what he's doing here for something different. Yeah. Especially if it's confusing to people and causes disruption and, and distraction. Well, as Paul said, God is not the author of confusion, but a peace. Or chaos. Yeah, <laughs> chaos. Right? Peace, yeah. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, I, he, even here at our local area, we have a church that does a prophetic thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And... And I hate to say this, but there is you know, such thing as called the long con, right? And so if you or go to a church for a period of time, people know what you do for a living. People know a little bit about your family and, and maybe even some of the struggles or things you've had, right? It's not hard for someone to stand up and say, Bill, I got a, I got a word from God for you that he said this, this business decision that you're, you've been pondering— it's going to come through in your benefit. It's very soon, very quickly. You're going to have this decision. Is going to happen. and these guys know this guy's a businessman. He owns his own business. They don't know anything about it. But any businessman has got some business decision that's getting ready to happen at any given time, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a hard guess. Mm-hmm. But we have to understand that not everything that sounds or looks like that is really of God, and and it is meant to 
keep people coming. Look at the, this, these churches grow like crazy because people want to go hear from God. Yeah. And they're getting this false promise that God's going to speak to somebody today. And it doesn't mean that all of it is false. There may be genuine, like, again, there may be some wheat among the weeds. Right. Yeah. And there may be some people who have real words of knowledge from God, and they speak when God speaks to them. But what the Bible says, the Old Testament says, is the God says the false prophets speak when I haven't spoken to them. Mm-hmm. And that's right. what we have to be aware of. Absolutely. And yeah. I will also caution... In my experience, a lot of times, and I've, I've heard from God to go give somebody a message, and but it was done in private. Yeah. It wasn't stand on stage and be, you know, showy about it. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, um, you, you shouldn't strive to be heard or seen. And it's not of. about the person giving the message ever. Christ yeah. said you will reap the, your reward. Yeah. You know. And, and, and let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Yeah. And and this is probably why we know that the Corinthian church was getting off the rails because as Paul Paul's last verse in verse 12 is really should be translated, but you're seeking the showier gifts. And that's really how it should be translated. But let me show you the more excellent way. Then he gives them the greatest reproof he could have given them. And we call it the great passage, you know, the great poem on love. Well, yes, it was, but it was Paul saying between twelve and fourteen, it was one of the greatest rebukes they could have gotten because he's saying you're not about love, you're about the showy gifts, you're all about wanting to be in the limelight, you're all about, you know, you want faith that can move mountains, you want to do this, you want to do that. He says if you speak with the the tongues of men or of angels, but you don't have divine love, agape, you're a zero, you're a you're a zilch. And so he was rebuking them. If it doesn't edify and build people up, don't do it. I don't care how supernatural it is. God's not interested. And just making people feel good, yeah, energized, excited is not building them up. No. That, that, that's shallow you're, and fake. You're not building up in the holy faith because those emotions will wane. Right. I remember when I was in college, I, I represented the college uh, in a particular singing group, and we went with one of our professors to a church like that, and they had services every night, and we went to hold a service in one of their uh, services, and these, I watched these people walking in that are like zombies. I mean, I mean, incredibly, you would have thought, man, talk about a place you need Prozac. I mean, (laughs) it's a large church, and these people are just dragging their tracks out. They look like they're all depressed, they're all, you know, and it was just... There was this horrible, uh, dark spirit over everything, but then they they started you know their worship time and they kept working it up and working it up and they worked it up for about an hour and they kept it going pretty good and pretty soon these very same people that I'd seen as zombies are out of their head, you know, doing all kinds of crazy gyrations mm-hmm. and crazy stuff and 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 I I'm looking at this and I'm going. This isn't of God. They, they worked this up. It took them an hour and fifteen minutes to do it. But these people came in for their emotional fix. It takes that's a lot not, to raise the dead. Yeah, well, yeah. It's, that's not what's building them up in the faith because those emotions are passing and they have to come back tomorrow night for another fix yeah, yeah. just to keep going. So and an hour so, later, they're dead again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're starting to, to broach into the topic I want to – part of the topic I want to get into in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what that is is the evil spirits mimic themselves – Mm-hmm. or they try to imitate God, but they always twist it. Mm-hmm. God never imitates evil spirits or right. false religions. Right. And what that is, 
is the same practices that voodooism uses yeah. when they're trying to actually create zombies out of people and they work themselves up into this this um trance right you trance-like know it, it's 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 seen in mm-hmm, other mm-hmm. in other religions too but that specifically your your description mm-hmm. of that is like the practice that uh, that's used in voodooism yeah and, and in fact if you if you study the mystery religions of the ancient world you discover that all of them had uh, for example, false tongues, babbling tongues were a part of speaking to the gods or the goddesses. Right. They uh, often used what uh, out-of-body experience. When Paul talks about they will think that you're out of your mind, when he talks about, you know, if everyone's speaking in languages, that was the term that they used for out-of-body experience. We, we say out-of-body, they said out-of-mind, and that was the Aphroditean religion, and that was something they sought they wanted to be out of mind so that they could commune with their deity. So they got, and so they would astral project and by working themselves up into a trance. And then also, of course, they had the, uh, you know, the central side of it with all the prostitutes and everything. But the whole point of it, there was a very mystical, spiritual side to this thing where astral projection and getting out of the body and being, and they called it out of mind experience. And Paul is telling the church, you don't want people saying you're like they're up, like what they are up there. We're not out of our minds. We preach the word. You know, believers have prophecy, preaching, teaching, testifying. And we do that by the Holy Spirit. That's what causes people to fall down and say, God's really among you. And it's, but the unbelievers, well, they, they have this you know this uh, babbling thing, mm-hmm. which that's not that's so not what Christians do. That's one do. of the characteristics of how you define uh, a religion that's actually a Babylonian religion, right? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of counter to the still small voice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, because God isn't genned up, right? Mm-hmm. God isn't over the top energized, and you know, you know, pulsing and gyrating and thumping. No, God is a calm, still, consistent voice. And if God wants to do something dramatic, it won't have to be ginned up. It'll no. just happen. Instantaneous. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so well, all this it, stuff where you have to work it up, that's all of the flesh. It was right. Elijah, right, who uh, who God led to the mountain. Yeah. And God did all of these grand showy things yeah and earthquakes wire he wasn't in any of those things it was only in that that still still small voice voice. right yeah exactly wasn't in the fire wasn't in the wind wasn't in the earthquake but he was in the still small voice yeah right yeah and and so we now so we've talked about the end false prophet we've talked about these false prophets that inhabit churches and the things that they're doing, even very to now, right now, uh-huh. they're all around us. We have people have YouTube channels that are given false prophecy every week and dreams galore. And and just it's just insane how many people. And at people, the beginning of the pandemic, that oh, skyrocketed. Well, people are, again, a desperation, right? We're all going to die. COVID's going to kill us all. Well, right? you, had, you had those that were prophesying that, you know, the church was going to rise in this and they were going to have the third reign and, you know, oh, man, you wouldn't believe the world many... was going to be swept by revival because of this. Well, the, oh, yeah, the revival's coming because of this. And, and now there's a new theme in the last uh, month that uh, the rapture is just about to happen. 
Oh well, it's and, been yeah. it's been it's imminent hard, for the last what, 100, for 170 years, is it? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it could be next week. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the whole thing. It's, and I'm it, like, it's imminent. Well, <laughs> that means that when he doesn't come, you can just say, "Well, it's next." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the uh, but those people that are screaming this are getting louder and more consistent. Yeah. And there's they're propagating yeah. faster and more. Right. Every week there's another 10 or 20 added. Well, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's because they're getting views from it. And when they get views, they get subscribers oh, and yeah, they, they get, get money. money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you'd be shocked at how uh, inspirational money can be for some people and, <laughs> and how it can inspire more and more dreams and visions. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. But these false prophets have to find fresh blood. I hate to use the word, but they have to find fresh blood somewhere, right? Hmm. And so this kind of backs into the very beginning of where, where you know, we were talking last episode about the difference between sheep and goats and the role a goat plays in a congregation. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that goats can do is they can lead people to a false prophet because they can sow division in a home church mm-hmm. and they can begin to talk about how this other church is a church of prophecy, a church of gifts, mm-hmm. a church that's alive. The God is alive in that church. You can see it and feel it. And so they start to pull people out of where they're at, getting solid biblical teaching, mm-hmm. and go to some place where they're going to get something that is miraculous and amazing to witness and be a part of. And you can see the power and hear the words, and and it's a genned up feeling continuously. And so this person that's a goat isn't necessarily a wolf. They're not out there to to take people from the Word of God, but they're assisting those that are. Yeah. Because they, they've now broken down the fence and allowed the sheep to stray or walked with them, led them to some false prophet. Yeah. Well, and it brings me back again to how important that the one thing the, the, the uh, deceiving spirits are out to do is to get people welded to false teaching. Mm-hmm. And this is John's warning. In fact, if you look in Second John, uh, he says this in starting verse 8. He says, Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. And then he says, Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you, and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. So what is John saying? When you when there's a false teacher, you do not even welcome them into your home because you're sharing in their wicked work. Right. This is why, in other words, he's saying is false teaching is so dangerous and so deplorable that you don't want to have anything to do with it. You don't want to support it, encourage it in any way because it is going to damn people's soul. Well, this is one way that you can actually use discernment mm-hmm. um, with identifying, uh, so, you know, false teachers. And you, if, if you know of a certain false teacher, you can look at who they associate themselves with, who they prop up or who props them up. Um, and then you can, you know, so you can see like, okay, well— Maybe this person in the past has been a valid, you know, teacher, and 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 but maybe I should think more closely about what they're doing now and what they're saying now because mm-hmm. you know 
people can be led astray. You know, it is possible to apostatize. So uh, then, no, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, I was holding it for like two minutes. <laughs> so, you know, we we can look at these things and, you know, it can help us to make better decisions, wiser decisions, prayerful decisions about who we listen to, um, who we engage with, and who we promote. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. the church has got to realize that uh, it's going to be costly. We We will be slandered for standing for the truth. We must do it lovingly. But at the same time, there is a line where we have to say we can go no further. So if John says, you don't even invite these people into your home, you don't share in their wicked work, you don't feed them, you don't do anything to help them, he's saying this is so dangerous and so abominable, we have to take that stance. Now, it doesn't mean we start raging and and uh, and uh, you know judging them. That's God's place to judge them. But we just basically say, I'm sorry, from what I understand, I can have nothing to do with what you're involved in. And so we have to have enough spiritual courage mm-hmm. to stand in these times. Because if we don't, you know, we hear it all the time, if we don't stand for something, we'll fall for anything. But we don't need to just stand for something. We need to stand for the truth. Right. Well, we, and we have to remember that we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual war. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, was it, I think it was Churchill who said, this far and no farther. Right. You know, uh, because if you just, if you let them take everything, you lose everything. You right. Know? Um, and our, our goal is to build the kingdom of God, not to lose it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting uh, in Romans um, 16, Paul talks to us about these uh fruits of false prophets, false prophets and of of wolves. You know, the the first fruit of uh, false is falsehood. And the the false teaching is the, sorry, the first fruit of falsehood is strife. Mm-hmm. Paul says we are to keep an eye on those who cause dissension. In verse 17, the old adage, divide and conquer, seems to be one of the foundational tenets of those aligned with falsehood. The second fruit of falsehood is stumbling. Our Lord had severe words for anyone who would cause the stumbling of another, especially the little ones. The third fruit of falsehood is the attack against biblical teaching, which you spoke of earlier. Mm -hmm. The scriptures are uh, the standard by which all teaching must be evaluated, in which all teaching must be subordinate. Right which is what you talked about in the very beginning of this, mm-hmm. is how they try to take Jesus' word and make it not relevant. Right. And it's always relevant. Matter of fact, it's superior to all other teaching. So, you know, Paul was teaching us that, that these wolves are, are going to teach us through falsehoods mm-hmm. things that are going to cripple us. Mm-hmm. And we have to be very careful of that when, and, and acknowledge that that's, possible and it's going to happen. And, you know, just like we needed to understand the difference between those that would listen to the Word of God and follow His voice and those that would and stray on their own and become troubled, we also have to learn to listen to what these people around us, teachers especially, people that claim to speak for God, what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Does it align with the Word of God? Does it does it does it give superiority to the to Jesus Christ and the Word over what they say, 
or do they claim superiority in some way? Mm-hmm. That, that's an important test for us to go through. Well, I think this uh, understanding that these people, you know, Paul talks about in 16 about them causing division or sedition, mm-hmm. uh, that they always put obstacles in your way. Uh, John talks about the same thing. These people are troublemakers. They're, they're critical. They're always critical. They're always finding fault. Right. Uh, the, the, that spirit is, is a dangerous spirit, and we, we've got to be aware that when we have those kind of people, we have to uh, be very, very discerning. Uh, because that's uh, how the enemy works his way in. The devil is is always working to divide and conquer, divide and conquer, divide and conquer. Sedition is one of his primary tools, and all he has to do is just start with a simple little question, you know, and just start creating doubt and creating, you know, looking across the, the gap at each other, you know, mm-hmm. and and then he starts dividing and conquering, and and so. In these last days, we're going to have false teachers, and they're going to walk into those divisions, and they're going to they're going to accentuate those those uh, divisions for their own benefit. Absolutely, yeah. That that's what they want to do. They look for those things, and they move in. And here, I'm going to show you the right way, and they they'll take one group and head off with it. You know, right? Well, it's already happening, and and that's what we'll talk about in our next episode. Yeah, right. <laughs> Not fair. I was going to say that. <laughs> that actually leads us right into the fall, the the Harlot Church in their next episode because this is what it's born from, right? And and so we've now we've gone through all these these metamorphi, right, mm-hmm. to get us to the point where we're now where where does this church come from, and what does it look like? Because in the end, in the very end, there's two churches, right? Right. There's God's church, and then there's the false church. And and we must understand that in the end, both of them will be supernatural. And I believe that the true church must always be supernatural, mm-hmm. but it must be God's supernatural. Right. You know, and it must be authenticated by the Word of God and by the Spirit of Christ. And uh, But the counterfeiting church will do everything to look like it's right, but it will always be misdirected. So always a tool of enslavement. Yeah. So remembering again where we started, not everything the spiritual is of God, and that's where the battle's going to be. We're fighting principalities and powers. And the false and when we get to talk about the Harlot Church, we're gonna be talking about a very spiritual entity that will be filled literally with demonic power. But it will look on the surface, at least initially, something that uh, people can kind of easily transition to with, uh, without much too, too many pangs to their conscience. And, and to, more to that, that last point you just made, you know, for our viewers is like a little teaser for what we're going to be talking about is, you know, because our viewers may be asking themselves, well, how could we not recognize this? And it may, and, and it may be something that you wouldn't even think mm-hmm. that's so powerful in our churches today. Mm-hmm. Right. That, right. that will be the the thing that really ties it all together and and infects our our very spirits yeah, and I know I know where you're going and you're right that the devil is making huge inroads in one particular area and we're and we need to have a serious conversation about it yeah 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 absolutely well this has been great I, I appreciate you talking to us about this because I think this is an extremely important conversation that 
in my mind, every day becomes more important. Mm. Um, yeah. We're, we're being overwhelmed with these these opportunities for discernment, I'll call it. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's one way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, God gives us great opportunities all the time. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that we just spoke about, this whole this whole episode reinforces the need for that relationship. Mm-hmm. How important that relationship is because that's where your discernment is rooted. Right. And that's when you hear the voice, they can lie all they want. It will not draw your ear. Right. Right. And that's all relationship built. Mm-hmm. So that's extremely important to me. Well, uh, the truth is what's going to be important in the end. And uh, we live in a culture that has denied the truth and, uh, and and is trying to cast the truth to the ground. And Daniel warned us in the end, truth we cast to the ground. And these false prophets are going to be one of the primary vehicles through which that happens mm-hmm. because they will be sharing a false gospel and a false truth and a false hope. And uh, that's what casts the real truth. Yep. Well, anything more from you, Grant? All good? All good. All right. Well, this has been a Veritas Resurgence broadcast, and today on A Voice Coming in the Wilderness, we've been speaking with Dr. Gary Durham, and we've been talking about goats, wolves, and false prophets. And where we're going, what's going on in the world around us in the prophetic world and in what we should be looking out for and um, how to protect ourselves from this. So if you would, please take a moment and subscribe to our podcast. Don't forget to visit our new website of vrbroadcast.org where you can find more teaching and ask questions of the show and our guests. Also, find us on Facebook at A Voice Calling in the Wilderness. And do us a favor, recommend this podcast to your friends and family again. Thank you, and have a blessed day.